merciful, Lord, that you hear us when we call out to you. And uh, Father, pray that for the Christmas season coming, you would draw so many people from the local community to come and hear truth of Christmas and Jesus. And Lord, for the team going off to Haiti, God, that you would just ignite their heart and Lord, fall upon them Lord, tomorrow morning as they go. Keep them safe, but Lord, may they be so effective in that country. God, that revival would just continue to sweep that land, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. amen. All right, guys, grab your Bibles. No paper tonight. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. It's going to be pretty sweet stuff. Um, so, yeah, do that. And then we're not going to spread out tonight. Everyone kind of gather around. This is amazing. As you guys grab your Bibles, uh, Ephesians 4 is where we're going to start off tonight, all right? Grab your seats. Hey. All right, I need help real quick. How many of you guys? Um, well, here's the deal. Whether you're coming to the park day or not, we need to beat your parents at something. The barbecue, family barbecue or family park day, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it family barbecue because we're going to eat all kinds of good food. Um, but every year we do that, we always end up doing some kind of sport. And last year, like I said, your parents owned you, and that's unacceptable. Uh, so we've got to pick a sport we can win. You were there? Dodgeball. No, I'll tell you right now, it's like over 100 people. I mean, it's crazy. It's like 150 people. De Capture the flag. Hmm. Okay, if it had to have some form of an object like football or soccer, last time we played kickball, it's like baseball, but you kick it and then run the bases. That was bad news. They just, they killed you. Tent? No, no, not tent. You can't play volleyball with 150 people. No, I love volleyball, but. What is it? How about freeze tag? No, I'm just, I'm joking. Oh my gosh. All right, capture the flag's an interesting concept. We'll think about it. Grab your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter four. Uh, any questions on stuff coming up? Dude, Friday, night of worship, don't miss it. Don't miss it, all right? Um, don't miss it. I don't know what else to say. Getting together to worship is just super rad. Ephesians chapter four. All right on. Awesome. All right, let's pray. Let's pray it up, all right? Father, tonight as we look at your word and, Lord, these incredible truths, Lord, would it be rightly that we understand it, God? There'd be no, um, Lord, confusion. God, we wouldn't see this as a, a laborsome task, but tonight that you'd fill us up to overflowing, Father, that 
uh, Lord, we'd find our calling and we would run with it. That tonight you would stir up the gift that is in us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. 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 Come on now. Amen. There it is. All right. So some of you, uh, probably all of you ladies, and if you have a sister or honestly your mom or maybe a cousin that likes Disney princesses, you guys know of Cinderella, right? Cinderella, Cinderella, and I don't know if there's a song, because I'm a man and not a sissy, but anyways, listen up, need your attention. So Cinderella had a group of friends, right? Except they weren't really friends, they were like mice and birds and stuff. And they get together one night, and they set off on this incredible task to make a dress. And some of them are taking the needle and pushing it back and forth and just hemming the bottom of the, the dress, and that's all they're doing. Others are just flying around, making a bow, right, and they attach it. And another one's stringing the pearls for the necklace. A few of them are sent out as scouts to go gather things to pull together as resources. And all of them working together end up creating this beautiful dress uh, with all kinds of accessories. And none of them, though, could take the credit for it. They all worked together on what would be known as the bigger picture. Tonight, what we're talking about, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about the bigger picture. It's not just about the needle and the thread. It's not just about the necklace or the bow. And it's not about any one person. It is about what is accomplished when the body of Christ uses those spiritual gifts. When we talk about spiritual gifts, I want to warn you, oftentimes the danger is to zoom in on one and be like, this is what I have and this is what it is. And this is what it's all about. It's not all about that gift. That gift is all about you being part of the bigger picture, that God is moving, that God is preparing his bride to meet him. You guys know that in the Bible, we're referred to as the bride of Christ. In the very same way, Cinderella, you don't recognize it till the end of the movie, but that night she was meeting her future husband, right? She ends up marrying Prince, is he, is he Prince Charming? Someone's Prince Charming, um, but anyways, she ends up meeting the prince who finds a glass slipper. They fall madly in love and get whisked away in some chariot or whatever. But what's the deal? That night, I don't know if the mice knew or the birds knew or whatever was going on. You're like, dumb little mouse guys, we are sinners saved by grace. We're no better than those little rats running around, pushing a needle through a dress. And they were excited to do it. They weren't bummed that they couldn't fly around and make a bow. They weren't bummed they couldn't be sent out as scouts to find the jewels. They were just excited to push that needle back and forth the hem of the dress or others to do their part and because of their excitement and their passion and their joy comes together this beautiful dress that is put together and honestly doesn't it get torn apart in the end right you're like but they failed no they didn't isn't it that torn up dress that has magically made something better and more presentable and so when she meets her future groom it's this incredible moment in the story you and I, we have flaws and we have quirky personalities and we have strange things about the way we smell or smile or whatever. And when we begin to get involved in what God is doing, the bigger picture is not us. The bigger picture is the bride of Christ, the church. It's those around you right now in this room. It's that we would build each other up and that whether uh, we're that quirky little person that just does that one little thing but if we do it with our whole heart and excitement that man, this is about God's work. This is sweet stuff. That when God comes through and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, regardless of how messed up it may feel in the moment, it will be a beautiful gift given back to the Lord. That when he returns and the church meets him in the clouds, it's going to be the most miraculous thing any one of us will ever see. It's going to be amazing. Ephesians chapter 4 
introduces us to the gifts. There's kind of three main places you find it in the Bible, but Ephesians chapter 4 introduces us to them. Uh, take a look, starting at verse 11. We're just going to read a couple verses real quick. It says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus Christ, he gave some to be apostles, that is a spiritual gift, some prophets, that's a spiritual gift, some evangelists, that's another one, and some pastors, teachers, right? That's another one. What's the reason, though, for the equipping of the saints to get that needle, that thread, that string of pearls, that ribbon to turn into a bow, that you would be equipped with God's stuff for the edifying of the body of Christ? You guys know what it means to edify something? You guys ever been building? Uh, I know, guys, we did this at beach camp. It was awesome. We went down on the beach, and we started having a sandcastle competition. We're stacking rocks, like, yeah, and we're stacking rocks up. But what most people don't recognize when they begin is the tide's coming up, and so the water gets closer and closer, and pretty soon the waves start hitting our sandcastles. The time's not up yet, so it's washing away all of the sand. Uh, But lo and behold, Everyone starts freaking out and getting bigger rocks and piling more stuff up. That's exactly what it means to edify, to strengthen and to build up, to withstand the forces of the enemy. When we're given these gifts, it's not about you and I. It's not about the gift that I get. It's about the fact that I get to be part of the bigger picture. I get to be part of what God is doing. And he says, everything I do, whether I give you a shovel or a screwdriver or a pickaxe, or whatever it is in the building process, it's to build up, to reinforce, and to strengthen everyone around you within the body of Christ. So as we talk about these things, guys, and we are gonna run tonight. I think we've got like 10 or 11 spiritual gifts we're gonna try and talk about tonight. Every believer has at least one, and honestly, probably more than one, two or three. I can say with absolute confidence, I know the three that I for sure have. and the longer you walk with the Lord, the more sure you are. Okay, this is what I have. I know, I, I know what God's called me to do. Yes? Don't people believe that there are any spiritual gifts? There are some people who teach and believe that there are not any spiritual gifts any longer, that they were kind of phased out over time. The problem is the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. That's kind of tradition or observation. And what's funny is a lot of those people that believe that believe that uh, some gifts have faded away, but others have not. Like you can get a pastor or teacher who's up there that believes they're called to be a a teacher of the Bible and it's a God-given gift to teach, but then all of a sudden all the other gifts don't really exist anymore, but his does. That's kind of a weird thought. My gift is real, but yours is not. Um, They do believe that, but it's nowhere, I'm telling you right now, you have to dig very, very hard and and you're going to have a very difficult time coming to a biblical understanding of proving that the gifts aren't real anymore, all right? Whatever we believe better be found in the Bible or else you shouldn't believe it at all, all right? A um, couple things. Look, you have a gift. It was being given to you by Jesus. So don't think, oh, I'm great at drums. I have the spiritual gift of drumming. Like, okay, first of all, John says every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything, whether you are good at painting or playing the piano or running really fast and jumping hurdles or football or you're good at picking your nose. Like there's nothing, nothing, nothing good in your life other than what God has given you. I got a new Xbox, thank God. We got a new car, you better thank God. Every good and perfect gift is from above, all right? But those are skills that God has given you. What we're talking about is a God-given ability to build up the body of Christ. Usually the gifts that God's gonna give you have nothing to do with your talents. I'm a horrible public speaker. 
I don't know grammar very well. I have a very small vocabulary, and I get nervous whenever I have to look at anyone, let alone from a stage. That's why I always ask you, is it hot in here? I'm freaking out up here, all right? What's the deal? God asks us to do things that require a step of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. And so know this, as you venture off throughout the next couple years of your life and you want to know, what are my spiritual gifts? God, what's my calling? What do you want to do uh, through my life? Know this, it's going to take some faith. It is going to require you to step out into an area of life that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit intimidating, but if you do it, like when Moses stepped into the water and it parted before him, you will see miraculous things and you will know for sure, it's not just that you have to serve God, you get a front row seat to what God is doing. Some people see the gifts as, right, now I'm a slave and I have to work and like, oh, dang, I'm just digging holes for Jesus. Like, I gotta go teach or I gotta go pray with people or I gotta preach the gospel or whatever. And you're his slave. We are bound to him, but it's out of a love that we are bound to him. Honestly, we should be a lot more like the seven dwarfs, right? Like whistle while you work or whatever they do. Like they just, they're like, do-do-do, swinging away is the best thing ever. That when you rightly understand God and, and the gifts of the Spirit, it's not that you have to serve Jesus. It's like you're waking up just excited. Lord, what do you have today? It's like getting front row seats to the bigger picture. That's what it's all about, all right? Um, but here's the deal. You have to choose to apply those gifts. We'll talk about that at the end, all right? Uh, so the gifts are broken up. There's all kinds of ways to do it. Um, for us, you can go to the next slide. We're going to break it up into three different categories, all right? There's serving gifts, there are sign gifts, and there are speaking gifts or gifts that require some form of verbal communication. Serving, probably not necessarily a verbal thing, although you may be talking while you're doing it. Uh, it doesn't require you to talk. A sign gift is, uh, honestly, it is, is it a miraculous sign? We'll talk about that when we get to it. And then speaking gifts, they, they require a little bit of verbal communication going on, okay? So you can break them up. Some people just talk about serving and speaking, and the sign gifts they kind of put into uh, the serving, and some of them the speaking. Um, but for us, we're going to talk about serving gifts, sign gifts, and speaking gifts. You guys can do that? You can follow that with me? Yeah? So the first one we're going to talk about, guess which one it's probably going to be? Serving gifts. All right? Now, there's going to be a bunch of them, and we'll get through them, and I'll let you know when we transition. There's really kind of only two sign gifts, and we'll talk about those if we have enough time tonight. Um, and then next week is going to be super fun, get into the speaking gifts. But every one of them, and what you need to know off, off the very beginning of this conversation that we have tonight, one, it needs to be a conversation. If you're confused, like, wait, what does that mean? Or I say something, and you're like, no way. Are you serious? Um, ask away, all right? We're talking about some cool stuff that God wants you to be involved in that you can apply to your life tomorrow. So understand it, know it. If we don't finish because we have a great conversation, praise the Lord. If we get all the way through it, praise the Lord. Um, Mercy. There is a spiritual gift, the gift of mercy. If you're a note taker, I want you guys to write down also Romans chapter 12. Okay, write down, it's not gonna be on the screen. Romans chapter 12. And then, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. So between Ephesians 4, which you already looked at, then Romans 12, 
and 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is where we find pretty much all of the spiritual gifts. If you put all those together, you get a pretty detailed list of the different things that God has given us to do. Um, now, when you talk about spiritual gifts, think about a, a toolbox, all right? Um, I used to do construction in our toolbox. We'd walk around. We'd have hammers and screwdrivers. You'd have your drill. You'd have a saw. You'd have nuts and bolts and screws, and, and you have your level, and you have all these different things because every one of them had a different application. You don't get out your hammer when you need to turn a screw, right? I had a friend that tried that all the time. You're like, oh, and you'd be screaming and yelling and banging away. It's like, dude, just get out your screwdriver. He's like, I can do it. Like, you're all right. And all of a sudden, things start falling apart. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And so if you don't have a spiritual gift, don't try and use the thing you don't have. At the same time, know that you have something, so use it. It's like standing by. Imagine a firefighter showing up on the scenes. The building's burning down. He's holding the hose, and he's just watching everything like, man, this is really bad. Let's pray for someone to come with a water hose so they could help. Lord, say, no, dude, just go for it. Every one of you that are a believer tonight, God has given you a gift so that when things kind of catch on fire in your life or the opportunities come, you'd be led by the Spirit, as we talked about before, filled by the Spirit, so that you're not like, huh, I wonder where that person is that's supposed to help that guy or get involved in this situation or take a stance. It's you. Go for it, all right? Um, but remember, it's going to take some faith going to be a little bit intimidating, but a lot of bit God-glorifying. Talk about the gift of mercy. This one's in Romans 12. The next few we're going to talk about, you guys can go find it uh, later on in Romans 12, and the next few are going to be right there. They're in a nice little compact list. The gift of mercy. I'll tell you right now, I don't think I have the gift of mercy. Now, we should all be merciful. What does mercy mean anyways? Do you guys know? Uh, it, it definitely is the element of forgiving, compassionate. It's those two things put together. Yep. Right. Holding back something that, uh, a form of judgment specifically or a form of, um, yes. Compassion followed by action. Pretty much. Um, when we talk about mercy, the very word of mercy, we should all be merciful. We should all be, uh, slow to judge people, quick to listen, uh, we should be very slow to speak. We should be slow to anger. We should be forgiving. Jesus even says you should forgive people 70 times 7, basically over and over and over and over again in your lives. But there's a spiritual gift, the gift of mercy. This is someone who has a beyond normal compassion followed by action. All right? What does that mean? Compassion's a great thing. You guys ever see... Uh, you know, that dumb commercial where the puppies are like abused and they're like, send us 20 bucks so we can take care of this little puppy. Uh, and it's like, dude, you just like beat that puppy up and took a picture. That's not even a sad puppy. Like, um, or uh, maybe they didn't. I just think that way. Um, or you see the pictures of starving kids in Africa or you, know, you guys give me and they're like, send us money to help people. Now, if you're any kind of human being, you're sad for at least the 30 seconds the commercial's on. Right? Like, oh my gosh, it's so sad. Oh, kitty. Oh. And then the next commercial comes on, you're like, yeah, football. Woo! That is not the gift of mercy. Or we hear about things. Maybe tonight if someone was like, hey, can you pray um, for my mom? We just found out she has cancer. And you're like, oh, man. This is just, I mean, if that happened, I'm just guessing. But tonight, the gift of mercy, we would all be like, oh my gosh. And maybe we'd pray, if you had the gift of mercy, 
you'd be like, okay, where do you live? What can I do? Can I make dinner for you guys? Do you need to ride to school in the morning? Like, what can I do to come alongside you guys and lighten the load? It is compassion. It's that like, oh no, that burden that you almost are, are living the same life as they are and you're completely like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine what you're going through. And you, you're all of a sudden more concerned for them than you are for yourself. The gift of mercy is, is compassion, but it is always followed by action. God will cause you to do something as simple as we've all seen the guy on the side of the freeway with a flat tire, right? And we all like, <laughs> like, now you're not driving, so maybe you don't have the full authority to pull over and help. But if you have the gift of mercy, you might be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to be 10 minutes late to dinner, but I'm going to get over and I'm going to help the guy change his spare tire or whatever it is. Or the kid walking to school, uh, he drops all of his books or his backpack breaks and he's like dragging it behind him. We're all going to feel bad as we drive by, but the person with mercy might get out and walk with them and help him carry his book. Do you guys understand that God will give you, if you're willing to, if you're willing to, and you have this gift, remember it takes faith. Isn't it kind of scary to get out of a car or you're riding your bike to school? It's kind of scary to think for a moment, there's a guy walking to school He's trying to carry his books. You can tell his backpack's broken. You don't know his name. You've never really seen him before, uh, except for after school when he's walking home and you go buy him on your bike every day. It's kind of scary to think about, I'm going to get off my bike and walk next to him, introduce myself, and offer to, to throw a few of his books in my backpack and help carry the load. That's freaky. But that's because it requires the power of the Holy Spirit to do it that you'll step out in faith. It'll be a little bit intimidating, but incredibly God-glorifying. So the gift of mercy um, is feeling sympathy. It's having compassion followed by action. Um, and so it's cheerfulness. If you're like, oh, what's your name? Oh, Tommy. Looks like you're having a bad day, dude. Your stuff broke. Why don't you get a better backpack, dummy? I mean, this is retarded. I can't believe. Give me some of those books. I'll help you. Fine. Why are you helping me? God's making me help you. This is ridiculous. Let's go. We're going to be late for school. Like, dude, just go right by, all right? Just let him, let him figure it out on his own. It's with cheerfulness. But you won't have to try too hard. That's the simplest definition. By the way, we're not going super crazy deep into these gifts, all right? We're just going to touch on them, talk about them, and in a couple weeks have the opportunity to maybe explore and use them. But you guys good? Gift of mercy, it's compassion, but it's also followed by action. It's going to be a little bit intimidating. It requires faith to step out, but God will do it. It's awesome. Good. Next one, the gift of ministry. Like, huh? I thought we're in junior high ministry. We are. Ministry means uh, serving people or coming alongside of people, but there is a specific gift called the gift of ministry. It's right there. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 7, if you guys want to read about it. It says that in our ministry, we should use this gift uh, it is attending to people's needs, all right? Specifically, what's going on in their life. So maybe you love to pray with people. Uh, maybe you love to follow up with people. Maybe you're really good. When you see last week, someone shared with you like, oh, my dad lost his job. And tonight you remembered. You went up like, oh man, I've been praying for you this week. How are you doing? Uh, what's going on? Um, it, it's coming alongside the needs of people. It's attending to their needs, the gift of ministry. Um, I mean, that's honestly pretty simple. Sometimes maybe some of you, you guys are ushering. How many of you guys like ushering on Wednesdays or Sundays? You get involved in that. You may have the gift of ministry that people come in and, and if you're genuinely like, I want to help them find the best seat in the dark. I hope they don't trip. Like, oh, sweet. It's like the golden seat. Like I found it and they're gone, right? You're like, oh no. 
<laughs> it happens all the time. But that's your heart. You like genuinely are, are, are looking forward to helping people. You may very well may have the gift of ministry, that you're coming alongside of them. It can be a tremendous burden. It can be a tiny little one. Don't think that God only does big things. I think God does a lot of little things, and we just miss it all the time, looking and hoping and waiting for the big things. Um, the gift of ministry, coming alongside people, their needs. Uh, it's likened to the definition back then is actually the very word that they would give to doctors and nurses of the time that would give medicine out. That people were sick, they would come in, and the doctor right would assess them and check their throats and eyes and ears and, okay, cough. Like, <coughs> okay, here, take this medicine. I'm going to help you feel better. That is exactly what the gift of ministry is, that spiritually they come in hurting or broken, something traumatic has happened in their life, and you're kind of coming alongside, and you're leading them and guiding them through that season, right? Make sense? Like a spiritual doctor, kind of. Cool, any questions so far? Gift of mercy, gift of ministry. Uh, these are the serving gifts. Um, gift of helps, very similar with a small difference, right? Gift of helps, this guy might have it. Looks like someone took all of his hors d'oeuvres, I don't know. Um, it is a desire to help or to assist people without receiving anything in return. Nothing. So if you're, you get involved in ushering and you're like, oh, hey, I got a seat for you, five bucks. You do not have the gift of helps. This is someone who, if we were stacking up chairs at the end of service, and I'll tell you right now, being involved in ministry for a long time, we need more people with this gift. So uh, Lord, may it fall upon these people right here. I don't know. Um, but if, if you came in the room and we're unstacking chairs for service, if you're like, oh, whatever, you just go back shooting hoops, you probably don't have the gift of helps. We still need your help, but you don't have it. If you come in and you're like, oh my gosh, they're unstacking chairs, and you pull your stuff down, you run over and start unstacking chairs, you're like, chairs, God cares about chairs? It's about building up the body. The normal person sees it like, oh, it's just chairs. The person with the gift of helps sees it as, oh man, I gotta create places for people to sit and this is where they're gonna worship and learn about the Lord. This is awesome. And people like that have, care so much about lighting and about if it's too loud or if it's too hot or too cold, right? Or whatever these different things are. That if you have a genuine concern about the things around you, this isn't like the gift of ministry was more about the heart. This is about people's hands for lack of a better word. You like to get busy and help. Um, set up chairs, tear them down, lighting and sound, and uh, maybe it's carrying food or whatever. Does that make sense? Uh, we get a great picture of this in the book of Acts, chapter 6. It says that the disciples, the apostles, they were looking for people to help. Ministry is growing way too fast. So they find seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to wait on tables. There are people there. They were hungry. There was too much going on. And so they'd be like, all right, hey, you love the Lord. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You mean you can't even be a waiter unless you're full of the Holy Spirit? Pretty much. Uh, and these guys know what's awesome. One of them's martyred. Two of the other ones go on to start churches and become pastors, but it starts at waiting tables. It's pretty cool. Um, so it's coming alongside, fulfilling the needs. You guys know Mary and Martha? Jesus comes and uh, who is it? Mary's in the kitchen banging pots and pans around. He's like, Jesus, tell Martha to come in here and help me. Well, Martha doesn't have that gift. Yeah. I got it mixed up, right? Yeah, that's right. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's got her hair out and all this crazy stuff, and they're listening. Um, Martha's inside working her hands to the bone, and uh, she's like, tell her to come in here and help me. And uh, look, it wasn't that she shouldn't have been in the kitchen. It's that she was called to be. She's doing the right thing, uh, but so was Mary. So she's in there. She's cooking up a storm. Maybe you guys like to do that. I don't know. Good. Any questions on that? These are pretty straightforward, right? 
All right. Uh, by the way, I'll let you guys know, you, if, and no doubt this is going to be a question. I've met people that struggle with this for a long, long time. Um, they want to know what their spiritual gift is, and they want to know, and they feel like super defeated because they can't define their spiritual gift. Some of you maybe tonight are even like, oh, I know, my, uh, that's me. I have that gift. I never knew it, but I'm always, I love helping people. That's not you. You're not awesome. You're not like, ha, oh, I am just a great person. No, God has given you the gift. You're like the rat with the thimble pushing the needle back and forth, right? We're just doing our thing. Just It's God. He does everything good in our lives. Um, so gift of ministry, it, it, that's what it is. What are we talking about? Ministry helps. Um, we're good? Don't over-spiritualize it. Oh my gosh, please don't over-spiritualize things. Don't get all crazy. Where are we at? All right, we're good on time. The gift of leadership, right? Um, now, just because you make captain of the football team or the debate club or you're really good at chess or something like that doesn't mean you have the gift of leadership, all right? This is a God-given ability to lead God's people. The gift of leadership is a God-given ability to lead God's people. This has nothing to do with uh, necessarily being the president of a huge company. This, doesn't, this has to do with God's ability to lead God's people. A leader uh, will be diligent. They will make haste, and it will be on their heart heavy, 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 heavy on their heart. They will earnestly devote their attention to something. All of their intentions, all of their attention, they'll be super focused more than anybody else, right? Now, if a leader forgets he's a leader, he'll be very frustrated. I'll tell you right now. If God's given you the gift of leadership, you're like, why doesn't everyone else care as much as I do? We got to get this done. And this is so important. Why doesn't everyone else understand? It's okay. There can't be five leaders. One leader and a bunch of followers. That's how it works. If you have the gift of leadership and you're burdened for something and you're passionate about something, don't get mad that other people aren't. Just lead them. Start going for it. Start moving forward and going after whatever it is you believe God's calling you to do. If it's evangelism, I've met so many people that get worked up. Why don't we do more uh, witnessing or we should do this or we should start that ministry? It's like, Man, you have a ton of passion for that. I met someone who is all about fellowship. They, they believe that more people should be fellowshipping, should be involved with each other, and get to know each other better. And I was like, dude, I agree with you. I've seen that need. I've prayed, God, please send someone to help with this. I've been praying for that for years. And this person comes in and sits down and shares their heart. I, I believe they need to be doing these things and say, right on. What are you doing to help people fellowship? Well, nothing. What is that? God's given you this burden do something with it. Uh, so if it's for your school, we need to have a better Christian club, or we need to start reaching out during lunchtime, or we should right, sell candy canes with the name of Jesus on it, or give out candy canes with the name of Jesus. God gave that to you. Lead with it. Um, it's like the captain of a ship, right? He doesn't have to tell people, you swab the decks, and you uh, start cooking. And, and he, his job is to steer the ship then the direction it's supposed to go. He knows the map, he knows the course, and he knows the destination. Everyone else is supposed to swab the deck, cook the food, raise and lower the sails. You don't see the captain running around with the broom and flipping burgers and up lowering and, and raising the sails. Everyone else is doing that. The captain says, this is where we're going, and here's the direction to go. You guys with me? The leader, though, 
one word of caution. If God gives you the gift of leadership, we see leaders fail and fall apart all the time. And I think that within that spiritual gift of leadership is a very dangerous element to raise yourself up. I'm the captain of the ship. No, you're not. You're the leader, but God is the captain. It's God's ship. It's God's people on that vessel, and it is God's calling that you're following, all right? It's not about you. You don't lord over people. A spiritual leader is not going to lord over people. You do this, and I'm telling you what to do, and you'd better get with it or you're gone. Walk the plank. That is not how a spiritual leader is supposed to be. They'll be strong. They may be authoritative, but they'll do it with grace and humility. And it's not, hey, you, bring me the grapes, and you, fan me with the palm branch, and you, rub my toes, and you. It's not about them. It's about serving God's purpose and serving God's people. Remember, these are serving gifts. You serve God's people with the gift of leadership because you're leading them where God has said to go. Does that make sense? That's a, that's a lot, but we're getting into some gifts that have some bigger ramifications or, or, or bigger understanding, and uh, with more understanding or, or more applications come... Uh, more dangerous at the same time. Does that make sense on leadership, guys? You good? Um, what else are we talking about? Oh, if you have the gift of leadership, you better have thick skin. Not everyone's going to like your ideas. But you don't serve them. You lead them. You serve the Lord, right? Um, so have thick skin. People are going to critique you. They're going to give you a hard time. But you don't change the course until God says to. You lead. You're not a follower. You're a leader. The only person you follow is Jesus. Uh, they lead with diligence. It's a, earnestly. They devote their time and their interest. And again, if I could encourage any of you guys that are being called to lead throughout your life, don't get mad that other people aren't called to lead. They're called to maybe be what we're going to talk about next. Uh, maybe they have that gift of helps or the gift of ministry. They're, they're going to be there to flip the burgers and raise the sail and swab the deck. And they, they want to serve. They want to come alongside. So don't get mad that they don't want to do what you want to do. You're not supposed to have 100 leaders. You're supposed to have one. Um, next, leadership, the gift of administration. This is cool. Uh, you're able to bring someone else's vision to pass. That's basically the simplest way to put it. God has given you the ability, maybe not to lead. You don't have the idea. You don't know where you're going or what you're doing. But you hear someone say, hey, I think we need to do a missions trip. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's an awesome idea. And someone's like, you know what? We should go to Germany. And you're like, Okay, plane ticket to Germany is $800, and food, it's five bucks a meal, three, bu three meals a day, it's five $15 a day times five days, and you do the math, okay, it's going to cost this much money, and we need to rent a hotel and a bus, we've got to have a bus, and so you go on, the, you, you just love, like, you didn't come up with the idea, but you were flattered, excited about someone else's idea, and you have the understanding how to break it down and make it work. This is awesome stuff. The gift of administration makes you think of, like, someone at the front office of your school, right? They're like, hello? Yes, the bell rings at 2.47. Click. And they get your papers out. Like, you were absent 17 times. Call your mom. You're like, what? That, now, they may be administrators. Okay, what? Their job is to help the school run, to keep all the things in order the way they're supposed to be. It's that idea, but it's not just, I'm great at organization. I must have the gift 
of administration. Well, you might be good at organizing your clothes to go in the same color pattern in your closet, or you keep your shoes nice and neat, and you make your bed every day, which most of you probably don't do. Um, yeah, yeah. She does? No. I, I don't believe it. All right, all right. Um, I organized my closet once. That was awesome. I think that was in junior high, but not sure. Um, the gift of administration, he would be, right, if you have the captain of the ship who's like, we're going east, uh, bearing 710 at seven knots, go, raise the main sail and swab the decks, and he's the leader, he's the captain. Well, the administrator's kind of going to be second, uh, second hand or the second hand, first mate, whatever, they're uh, alongside to support the direction. They're not like, well, I don't want to go to Paris. We should be going to New Zealand. They're not there to argue. They don't disagree with the vision. They love the vision, and they understand how to make it pass. The captain, and if you have the gift of leadership, by the way, that doesn't mean you have to know how to make it come to pass. If you have the gift of leadership, that doesn't mean you have to know how to make it happen. That just means, you know, this is where we're going. How do we get there? I don't know, but this is where we're going. Well, how much is it going to cost? I have no idea, but this is where we're going. How many people should come? I don't know. Where are you getting your boat? I don't know. Do you know what you're doing? Yes. What are you doing? We're going this way. <laughs> That's what a leader is. The administrator is like, okay, well, let me help. We need two boats, 10 people each. That's this much fish and bread or whatever. You guys with me? They know how to break it down and make it actually work. Um, this is awesome stuff to see happen. When you have a leader who knows he's a leader and maybe he knows he's not an administrator, so he lets someone else be the administrator because he knows they're not the, and they know they're not the leader. They're not like secretly like, I can't wait to take over. We're going to throw the captain off at two in the morning and, and we're going where we want to go. Oh, you, you'll see it. I promise in your lives, you'll see people get really close to people in leadership. And then instead of doing what they're called to do, they'll envy that other person. Like, oh, I want to be in charge. First of all, I guarantee you, you don't want to be in charge. You will be willing to be in charge. If God's giving you the gift of leadership, you'll be willing to be in charge, but you will not long for the power and the authority. It will scare you because you know you're going to be judged by God based on how well you do leading his people. It's a little bit freaky. And if you mess up, whose fault is it? If a ship runs into an iceberg or an unmarked island, it is not the chef's fault, right? And it's not the janitor's fault. It's the captain's fault. So God's called you to lead. You will, the Spirit will give you a willingness to and a, a boldness and a courage to, but you will not drool and foam for power. And an administrator or someone who can come alongside and make it happen, they won't want it. They'll know, you're leading. I'm here to help you. What do you want to do? I'll make it happen. Good? Um, yeah, I don't know. Any questions? I know where the questions are. Questions are coming next week. You're going to freak out next week. Gift of faith. This one's kind of cool. Um, this is cool. The gift of faith, it is a more than normal trust in the Lord, all right? We all have a certain amount of trust in the Lord. We're not talking about saving faith. 
everyone has, everyone, every born-again believer has enough faith to trust in God for salvation. Uh, they, they, this, the gift of faith is a way more than normal ability to trust the Lord. Uh, you'll see this. You, you'll meet people who lose their jobs. like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And their hair starts falling out and they're freaking out and they're just running around in circles and they haven't done laundry. They forgot to eat and they're stressing out. And then there, you're going to meet people like, oh, I lost my job yesterday. You're like, what? You look so happy. Like, oh, dude, the Lord's got it, man. It's going to be fine. You just lost your job. Yeah, it happens. You're all right. How are you going to pay rent? I don't know. The Lord's got it. The Lord's going to figure it out. We might lose our house. But my mansion's in heaven, so, you know, whatever. I mean, be wise with what I got. Pray for a job. I'll, I'll work hard to find a new one. But Lord's got us. That doesn't mean the guy freaking out is a loser and the guy that trusts the Lord is not. It means that one has a gift of faith. You'll meet people that have cancer and they're the happiest people in the world. How does that work? You're going to die. All right. What? I'm going to miss my kids. I feel bad, but hey, I got to go be with Jesus. What? Faith, it, it, the gift of faith is an overwhelming or beyond normal trust in the Lord. You just trust him. No matter what hurdles fall in your way, roads closed. Oh, guess what? There's a new way to go. Okay, that, that's it. I, that's the best I can describe it to you. Um, David probably had something like the gift of faith when he saw Goliath. Other people were like freaking out. It wasn't that David was this awesome man. He had an incredible faith in God. He said, ha you're, you're mine. The, the birds are going to pick the flesh off your bones, Goliath. Let's do this thing. Let's dance. Right? Um, the gift of faith. Trust in the Lord. All right. Dude, we are right on time. The gift of discernment, or specifically, and this is very important, make a mental note of this or write it down, that it's not the gift of discernment. All right? It is not the gift of discernment. People all the time, I'll, 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 I'll talk about it in a minute. All believers have a certain amount of discernment. We're told in Hebrews chapter 5 that we should, as we mature, we should exercise and become good at discerning uh, evil and good or good and bad or whatever words you want to use. I forget. I think it says uh, good and evil. That we should be able, the very word discern means to divide down the middle one thing from the other. If you had a bucket full of apples and oranges, to discern the bucket would be to pull out all the apples and leave all the oranges. You discerned the bucket. You divided one from the other, all right? All believers have a certain element of discernment. Uh, on top of that, the Bible is discerning. It says that it is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide uh, or to cut between uh, the bone and the marrow and all these right things. And it says, and it is the discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our hearts, that if you open the word of God and begin to read it, he will begin to show you the right and the wrong in your own life, your hearts, your emotions, your thoughts, the things you're doing. Um, now, the spiritual gift is the gift of discerning of spirits, okay? Specifically, discerning of people or the spirit of a person. Now, this isn't weird voodoo, like you walk around on one foot hopping and you're like, He's bad. It doesn't work that way. You don't walk around with your antennas on trying to figure out 
who's good and who's bad. Who's good and who, he has a tattoo, he's bad. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. It has nothing to do with uh, former information. It is God-given ability to divide good from evil without any information. Without any, you just know it in your heart. You're walking along and you meet someone. It's like, what the heck? Your heart's just going to be like, why is this guy bad? I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying he's a murderer. I'm not saying he's going to go kill people. I'm not saying he's a drug addict. I'm just saying he shouldn't be here right now. Yes. It very much so can be yes. Okay. If you're walking down the street and there's 15 people you pass and all of a sudden one guy passes and you're like creeped out, he could even look normal. He could be 60 years old walking a dog with he tips his hat, good morning, and you're like, whoa. Now, you probably don't really do that. Maybe you do. But in your heart, you're like, oh, time to go. Okay? And it's not because, like, hey, want to come to my house and get some candy? Okay? Obviously, everyone would be like, that's weird. You're 60. I'm 13. I'm not coming over for candy. Right? <laughs> or the big white van. Um, yes, it is a God-given ability now, you're not a mind reader, okay? Let me reiterate. You don't walk around just like, I'm going to discern you right now. The thing about the gifts, guys, is most of them, not all of them, but most of them, you don't decide when to activate them. It's not like you carry around a vacuum and you're like, on, okay? It doesn't work that way. You'll be walking along through life, whether it's helps, it's ministry, uh, it's the gift of uh, leadership. It's the gift of administration. These things, they just come up. They, the opportunity presents itself, like you're walking to school and all of a sudden there's an opportunity to help somebody. Uh, or you're at school and you find out someone's going, their parents are getting divorced and you're broken for them. You have the gift of ministry instead of helps. Um, the gift of discernment, you don't just turn it on and be like, I'm going to discern you right now. And it is not the ability to tell who is saved and who is not saved. Only God knows that. If I can stress for the rest of your life one thing, you'll never know who is and is not saved. That is God's business. He told the church of Corinth, knock it off. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? That's my business, God would say. You love everybody. You preach the gospel to every creature. You make disciples in every nation. But salvation is between me and me and the individual. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, all right? Um, but is a God-given ability? I'll tell you, I mean, I believe I have this gift. Um, people want to serve in ministry all the time. Not all the time, but in a year, there's probably 10 different people, maybe 15 different people we talk to that want to serve in junior high ministry as leaders. And some of them we sit down with, they go through the process, and they end up being Robin and Destiny and Austin Ridd and Katie's got a headache tonight, Jamie, whatever, right? They're here because I believe God's called them to be here and a variety of other things. Uh, every now and then there's someone that, um, Jordy, yep, well, he's not here tonight. But um, there's, there's certain times where you sit down with people and it's just like, no. Like, but I want to serve. I did a lot of paperwork. I did everything you asked me to do. I know. Can I serve? No. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you got your Bible, you're telling me Bible verses, I know you've been attending here for two years, like, uh, let's go get coffee, maybe, maybe it's something in my head, maybe I'm just off with this, but, um, so the next week you go get coffee and hang out and you talk and you're like, gosh, Lord, why no? And the Lord doesn't have to show it, tell you why, 
He just tells you what? He says, no. Sorry, dude, God said no. I've erred on the side of that years and years and years ago and neglected it because you feel mean, right? That's so mean. Is it really mean to let someone come in here and influence a 200 junior high students who doesn't belong here? No, that's not mean. That's mean to you guys. And it's disobedient to God. Um, but like I said, it takes a little bit of faith. It's a little bit intimidating. I want to get involved. I want you to get involved too, just not here. I'm not saying they're bad people. Just It's just no. Um, so it's the discerning of spirits, not about salvation. Uh, it's not that you turn it on or off, but God will just kind of freak you out a little bit. And there's a positive. God will strike a chord and be like, yep, good. It's not just bad, 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 bad. You're like, oh, this guy's right on, man. Um, raise him up to be a teacher, or he'll give you the discernment of what God's doing in people's lives. Good? Any questions on that one? So can you tell who's saved and who's not saved? No. Um, do you get to decide when you're going to be discerning? No, right? You're not a little, like a metal detector. Like, okay. Um, don't ignore it. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit sets something off in your soul. Do not ignore it. I'm begging you. The gift of giving. Cha-ching. Right? Like, oh, money? No! Uh, if that's your response, you ain't got the gift of giving. There are some people who love to give their money away. They love it. And I'm not just talking about people who love charities and, and rescuing those beat-up dogs and those poor kids who don't have food, okay? I'm talking about they love to invest into what God is doing. This is a God-given ability. You might, if God makes you super rich, it's so you can be a super blessing. I'm telling, I'm, I will tell you right now, if you become super rich in your lifetime, it is so that you can be a super big blessing, uh, the person with the gift of giving does not regard his personal preferences, meaning he doesn't come to church and be like, I'm going to give a million dollars, but you're going to spend it how I tell you to. You're going to get rid of the fountain, and you're going to put in a firework stand, and I want pink carpet in the junior high room, and I want a strobe light in the children's ministry, and like, you take a hike and take your dollars with you. That's not the gift of giving. That's manipulation, all right? Um, the gift of giving is like, hey, God just told me, give you, it can be 10 cents or 10 million. I don't care the amount, but hey, here it is. Well, what do you want me to do with it? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. I'm supposed to give it to you. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, I, years ago at Christmas, it was awesome. I remember being down by the other stairs. There was a man and his wife and his little girl um, walking up. It was Christmas. I was just out of my element. We weren't up here in junior high with everybody. I'm walking. He walks up to me, hands me an envelope, says, Merry Christmas, Pastor. I'm like, Oh, Merry Christmas. I don't know. Christmas card, family picture. I don't know. Five $20 bills, 100 bucks. And, and before, I, as I opened it, I looked up, they're gone. I'm like, oh, what the heck? There's no note. There's no nothing. What he didn't know is we were struggling with like financial stuff in our home at the time. It was an awesome blessing. They just believed God told us to give you 100 bucks. So boom, there you go. It's like, <laughs> awesome. Um, we've had people, I'm telling you, I wish I knew who they were. I mean, doesn't matter. It was God, right? It's God working through people. That's what spiritual gifts are. Um, we've had people pay our rent before, full-blown, $850. Boom. You get called to the office, like, hey, someone wants to pay your rent. What? What does that even mean? What, what, what do you mean, pay my rent? Like, that's amazing, because I couldn't pay my rent this month. Like, um, 
but it's a God-given ability just to give. I'll tell you right now, most of the drum sets in this whole church, some guy pays to make them happen. Just, hey, here's some cymbals, and here's this, and he, it's awesome. Yes, sir. Dude, yeah, great example. Uh, maybe it's not always money. There, I mean, there was uh, about a year and a half ago, we got my nieces, my sister's kids. She's just made a bunch of bad decisions. Um, she was losing her kids, so instead of them going into the foster care system, we, were, we took them into our home. Um, it was crazy. Walked into my office one day. There were, we were a family. What did we turn into? Of seven. We were, we, we were a family of seven, me and my wife and five kids at that point. Walked into my office one day. My wife had always wanted Disneyland passes, and it was like, no, we can't afford them. Now with two more kids, heck no, we can't afford them. Walk into my office one day. There's seven Disneyland passes sitting on my desk. I, I still, I'm like, uh, that's sweet. <laughs> like, what the heck? That was amazing. Um, I mean, I can go on about God's provision because God gives people the gift of giving. It, it's not their personal preferences. It's with simplicity and generosity. There's no self-seeking. I, like I said, I don't know who those people were that handed me the envelope. I don't know uh, who it was that put the Disneyland passes on my desk. These are people just giving as God leads them, all right? Um, what time is it? Any questions? We'll get into you guys. We'll go crazy on sign gifts next week. Um, so, Cinderella's dress, right? There's the mice and there's the birds and they're making bows and necklaces and they're hemming the dress and all of this stuff and they're all doing their part. They're all excited about it. Imagine it all comes to pass and it, this becomes this beautiful creation and someone walks by and they're like, wow, who made that? And everyone's down there kind of, I, I did the hemming and I got to make a bow with him over there and her and she, she got all the pearls but we put them together and it was a big team effort and they get to you and they're like, this is amazing. All these people got together and then this beautiful dress and, and she didn't know but she'd meet her husband that night. What did you do? I was too lazy to do anything. I, I didn't do anything. As you're holding your needle, right? No, you had to do something. I mean, there's buttons. This is beautiful. There's, there's buttons, and this is, this is amazing. What, what part did you play? I was, too, I was, I was, I didn't do anything. Guys, the Bible tells us clearly, clearly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that there will be people that God equips, that are saved, but they will step into eternity having every opportunity to be involved in the bigger picture. The bride of Christ. They'll have had every opportunity and they'll step into, and Daniel will be there, and he, right, he was with Lion's Den, and David was there, still got blood on his hand from cutting off Goliath's head or something, I don't know, like, and like, oh yeah, this is what I did for the Lord, and oh, this is what I did, what'd you do for the Lord? It says that there will be people in heaven that went, what did you do? What, what part of the big picture did you play? I didn't do anything. I wasted it all. I thought it was a task I had to fulfill. I thought that God was mean and a slave driver, and it was just, serve me, serve me, serve me. I didn't realize how exciting it was. I didn't know there was the bigger picture that we were all kind of moving together for God's purpose. I didn't, I didn't know that. I was too tired or I was too intimidated. It, it looked scary. Don't be those people, guys. Do not be those people. God is calling you today to rise up to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and to 
reinforce and strengthen the people around you in this room, in your family, at your schools, and on your neighborhood blocks. Be used. It's, it's freaky, I know. But it's a front row seat to what God is doing. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight and Lord, ask that if we've been thinking serving God is just a task that we're supposed to fulfill, Lord, that you change our mind tonight. God, it wouldn't be something we have to do. We'd get to be involved in the bigger picture with preparing the church to meet you, that we'd be an encouragement. God, that we'd, those that have the gift of helps, God, they would be weary at the end of the day because of their love for serving. Lord God, we'd be broken and burdened for people as they are broken and burdened. God, that you'd raise up leaders with vision and direction and Lord, those that would come alongside to support those things. Lord, as we fumble around with these gifts, I doubt any of it will be done perfectly. But that God, you by your spirit, you would grace us. Lord, you would fall afresh upon us tonight. Lord, we'd step out and just see you do great things in our life. Lord, may we not sit it out. May we not waste it, Father. Forgive us for the times we have. And Lord, tonight we give you our lives anew. Tomorrow we will serve you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.